0: Welcome to the Feast Till Dawn podcast, a show about cooking, restaurants, and the adventures that food and feasting can take you on. Hosted by two longtime friends who have shared their passion for food over the last 10 years, we're not expert chefs or critics, but we certainly argue like we are. I'm Sam. And I'm Connor. And you're listening to the Feast Till Dawn podcast.
1: Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! We're live. We're live. Nice. So, Connor, how's it going today? Yeah, it's going good, man. Pretty lazy Sunday. Um, Woke up late. I just got off like a huge 12-day work stretch. So, yesterday was my first day off in a while, and then this morning, Molly, Sean, and I made French toast and bacon, which was awesome.
0: What kind of bread do you use for the French toast?
1: I, I always try to get challah bread. Challah bread. Interesting. Yeah, that's like my go-to. I feel like it's like a really good, um, like it's like a light but kind of hearty bread. It um, mm. holds up in the pan really well and it soaks up the egg. That's just kind of been my go-to for French toast. And honestly, French toast is what I always cook when I want to go out to get something to eat for breakfast, but then don't. It's like one of the few foods that I feel like it's, a, it's special enough and like a treat enough. It can be a substitute for actually going to get brunch or something. Hell yeah. Otherwise I'm pretty shit at cooking breakfast.
0: Dude, <laughs> I got like super back onto the French toast game like this past year. I don't know what it was. Like I had French toast growing up like all the time, for some reason, like, you know, my dad and mom would cook it all the time growing up, hadn't had it for probably like seven years. And then I was like, you know what, we're we're gonna make some French toast today, fired up some French toast, loved it. I personally prefer the brioche, because I love the way that it like the entire bottom of it, if you got enough butter in that pan, Mm -hmm. will like, it'll sort of like caramelize almost like it's a grilled cheese. Mm. And I love that. Big Brioche guy today though, I fired up one of my favorite forbidden foods, which is a Brioche
1: (laughs) hot dog breakfast dog. You sent me that photo and that was just, even for you, that was a wild move. I did not expect that. So funny. My,
0: and my, my favorite way to have a hot dog is three ingredients. So Bread, you know, sometimes it's brioche, sometimes I don't have brioche lying around. If I have white bread, if I got some of that fucking multi-grain bullshit, use that. But the thing that stays consistent is slice of American cheese and mayonnaise, just like how Sheets did it in Pennsylvania. I would go to Sheets, it would be two hot dogs for 99 cents, and you I would always customize the order on the little uh, POS system that you could do because you customize your order. Always American cheese, always mayonnaise, slurp them down.
1: Your day is off to a great start. So that's like so this isn't your first breakfast hot dog is what you're telling me. Unfortunately, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, just Not my first rodeo, yeah. not even my second or third.
0: I would call me a veteran bull rider at this point with the breakfast hot dogs. That's awesome. I'll have to try that. But you know, I'm I'm not a huge breakfast guy except on the weekends. On the weekends I like to do something a little bit special. Sometimes it's French toast. Sometimes it's a breakfast dog. But you know, sometimes it's just what you have lying around.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I'm pretty bad with breakfast overall to be honest. Like it makes me feel so much better when I eat it. Like just the rest of my day just is like objectively better but for some reason i just like mentally can't get myself before work most days to like cook something
0: well breakfast is a little bit more important for you than me at least in my opinion because you got a you got a calloused hands job i got a soft <laughs> hands job i'm sitting at the computer all day i don't really need much sustenance except for like an iced coffee which yo not shout out negative shout out for the new york times for saying that iced coffee is not breakfast because iced coffee is definitely breakfast i saw they posted this article about how oh here's some easy breakfast things you can make and iced coffee is not breakfast no matter how many times you tell yourself it is lies yo let's get michael Balbaro on pod because i would like to have a word with him
1: did you read the whole article uh no
0: (laughs) i just read the headline and it was angry for the rest of the that's,
1: day <laughs> Yep, understandable and accurate that's hilarious
0: but you said you just came off a 12-day work shift. like what were you even doing
1: yeah so we're getting ready for the start of the winter season i'm a ski patroller at keystone so really close it was snowing today it's actually kind of dumping last night it was awesome but we got snow in the mountains um season's right around the corner so last week we had our big early season refresher so we all the whole patrol meets up and we go through a bunch of medical training and lift evacuation training and have some group talks and listen to some doctors come and refresh us on different protocols and whatnot Uh, so that was a big undertaking just getting ready for that and then went right into a week of uh, fall protection rope rescue and work at height training which was awesome spent a week in beaver creek with a Few people from each resort in Colorado and just learned a bunch of new skills with ropes and mainly focused on how to rescue employees who have either hurt themselves or just are kind of like incapacitated for whatever reason. Because most of the time we just focus on rescuing guests, we rarely focus on how to rescue ourselves. So this was more geared towards that and it was awesome. But yeah, so that was a long, long stretch. I was actually late, and the, the guy running the course awesome guy from canada uh Black. blackone made fun of me later on in the week because i'd be late every day to uh, like morning meeting because the coffee shop everything in beaver creek opened at eight we're supposed to meet at eight and i'm like there's i can't i cannot not have food so I'd, I'd wake up at the hotel and i'd go wait in line at the coffee shop until eight and then I'd immediately be late
0: so go wait in line for coffee and then immediately get into a mission impossible cosplay.
1: Yeah, it was pretty rad. We did some really cool stuff. All these different weird scenarios, like hauling someone on ropes up and diagonally into like a small confined space and then lifting them up out of it, levitating them and then like moving them back diagonally outside of the building to like a designated spot and coming up with all these rope systems and stuff to do it. So breakfast was definitely needed. Those were pretty physical days hanging around in harnesses and whatnot. When you
0: talk about this, literally the only thing that I can picture, (laughs) that you're out there scaling on
1: this building, like Black Ops, ready to kick in a window to save I do make sure to buy only the Black Ops gear. I was the only one with Black Ops gear all week, so I could tell it was mine, it was awesome though. It's so much fun, (laughs) (laughs) it's so much fun hell yeah, yeah. But how, how have you been yeah me what have you been up to i've been great man
0: so <laughs> yesterday because it was not snowing down here um in denver it was just like nice fall weather and this really just kind of showcases how soft hands i really am <laughs> is that all i did yesterday i went to uh walmart and i got like six different little skeletons and i have them climbing up mm-hmm. my house for some nice little decorations uh and that's you know, that was really the heart of my day. You know, there was no, uh, I climbed up a ladder, uh, but I was not rappelling down. (laughs) That's good. So really just that and, uh, sourdough, my wife has been really on a sourdough kick lately. And I think she's getting very close to really executing it, but man, sourdough is a full-time job and it's also like a craft. Like it is complex. So every other night we're watching like videos on sourdough and like watching these bakeries, but it is like crazy because you got to feed this starter. You know, that's a full-time job. In I and just of think itself. of and then to actually get uh, to yeah, the I, loaf. I, I've
1: like never done days. it. I just think of, um, kitchen confidentials. Anytime someone starts talking about it. Do you, do you remember which person I'm talking, I'm referring to You got to feed, feed the, the bitch. bitch. Exactly. Yeah. I just think of that every time, but sorry, go on. So have you guys actually made a few loaves now?
0: the loaves are in the oven oh, right wow. now. Full disclaimer, this is more my wife's project than it is mine. But you're ta- but but you're just last gonna week take there was an incident. It. I'm going to take all the credit for it. Yes, absolutely. But last week, uh, there was an incident where the uh, water was not measured correctly. So, already a high hydration dough, this was ultra high hydration, meaning it just turned into like a pancake. Oh no. I will say the flavor was still like spot on. These loaves though, we shaped them at 11 o'clock last night. They're looking good. They're in the oven right now. I'm very excited for how they're gonna turn out. But this whole thing is such a process. Basically you have your sourdough starter, right? And then for this sourdough recipe we're following, then you make a Levain, you know, out of that sourdough starter. That has to sit, uh, I don't know the technical term. You know, I think we got to get a sourdough or a bread baker expert Mm -hmm. on here to really explain what these things actually mean. But basically it's the big baby that your sourdough starter has that needs to gestate for like six hours. Mm -hmm. So you take the sourdough, you add some flour and some water to it, and then it becomes this other thing that you let sit for five hours. And then at that point, you're ready to actually add more flour and then turn them into loaves, which have to proof for about you know 12 to 15 hours. So you do that overnight, and then the next morning, you're prepped and ready to go to start actually you nice, know, baking.
1: Nice, nice. You, you mentioned that you guys measured the water incorrectly. How did that happen? Was it like a weight thing or like a volume issue? Hey, buddy, buddy. We're, we're trying to figure out the metric okay, scale just like everybody yep, else in this yep, country.
0: Yep. And you know, sometimes things just go wrong. You know, we count by feet. In America, we will do everything but
1: count with the units. metric system. And yeah. Oh, that sucks though. So. That's a bummer. Whatever. Honest mistake. You you live yeah. and you learn. You live, laugh, love, and learn. Yeah. I honestly wish he would just switch to the metric system. I gotta say,
0: the scale for cooking, absolute game changer, especially when you're weighing out a bunch of yeah. dry ingredients. It literally felt like before and after shot have you ever seen those infomercials where it's like somebody trying to mow the grass and they're tripping over their mower all the time and then somebody comes in with this new weed whacker and they're standing up and it goes from black and white to color and they're just mowing down the grass i felt like that is the transition that happens when you start Using a scale you're not fumbling with all of these different cups and tablespoons and teaspoons and shit You're just dumping everything into a bowl. You hit zero boom You know exactly how many more grams you need how many more ounces the you scale need. has colorized and, your uh, life Oh, I dude, I believe it It's looking like WandaVision where I was in like black and white world now. I'm in a world full of color That's and awesome. adventure
1: Yeah, I got Molly one for Christmas. I need to get myself one. They're pretty game-changer
0: So with that, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit and like, let the people know where we're coming from. You know, this is a food podcast and I think it's helpful to know, you know, very baseline our top food likes Mm. and dislikes. So let's hear from you first, what got you into cooking? And what was the first food that you had that really was just like mind expanding, you know, your third eye, it was, it was shut. (laughs) And now it just burst yeah, open totally, the center totally. of your forehead.
1: The origin story for me, liking food as more of a, I guess just more so than your average person was one of my uncles is a really well-traveled guy, a big hero of mine to this day, like big role model. He's taught me a lot in life, someone to look up to, but he loves food. And being as well-traveled as he is, he just knows so much about a lot of different cultures, food, and he has all these recipes kind of in his back pocket that just stretch all over the globe. But I remember one of the first dishes that I can remember him making that totally blew my mind. My mom's in like, an Italian family, so we make a lot of Italian dishes. We like, celebrated the seven fishes on New Year's Eve and stuff like that. So like a lot of like really good food in general, but my uncle had spent some time in Peru and he made ceviche for us when I was probably like, I mean, I couldn't have been more than 10. Um, so at that point, the idea of somehow cooking without heat and just acid and eating this fish, like I, we didn't really eat sushi at all when I was growing up. That was a mind-blowing experience. The flavors were amazing. I love the acidity and the heat in it and just love seafood to the day. So seafood always has a special place in my heart. So that dish specifically kind of set my trajectory of like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff out there. So as far as a dish that I think about is like being that one dish, like ceviche always has had my eye and it's always something that I love. It's so interesting because I think a lot of
0: people who would call themselves foodies out there, and maybe this is just something unique to you and I, but I think a lot of people who like, their first mind-blowing experience around food is so often seafood, which is wild. Because I have a, a very same story that was the moment like, this is fucking it. It was when we were on a family trip to Italy when I was in college. We had went with some family friends and we're staying in this tiny little Italian town where the people we were staying with, where they had grown up. And one night we go and our host gets this little bag of, um, maybe they weren't anchovies, but they were, what was the other, what's the other, like little fish, sardines? not anchovies, but sardines. Yes. Anyways. So gets a bunch of sardines and all she did was take these sardines, very light batter, and then mm. fries them whole in just a a big thing of oil and i remember sitting down and eating those and i'm like i did not know that you could fry entire fish and eat them like this and it tasted amazing i had some experience with seafood some like raw foods but never just like a whole fish that you fried that was so amazing and i was just (laughs) mowing these things down i probably ate like 25 (laughs) of these little sardines just chiefing them one after another. And that was the moment that I was like, holy shit, this is cooking. And for some reason it took me until that point, despite having parents who are amazing cooks and growing up in central Pennsylvania, basically on a farm, sometimes it takes that outsider perspective to be like, whoa. Yeah,
1: hopefully I'm not gonna butcher my own thought with this, but you mentioned how seafood was kind of this category of food that does that to people a lot, where it kind of blows their mind. And I think, at least for me, certain types of food, proteins especially, have kind of rigid the guidelines, especially in the U.S., of how they're prepared, how they're stored, stuff like that. And seafood especially, like, I mean... Great point. We grew up closer to the coast than we are now in Colorado, but, I mean, even being here, people kind of joke about seafood, like do you buy it or do you not buy it where are you getting it when did it get shipped here stuff like that so like there's kind of this stigma about getting seafood super fresh or preparing in a certain way and cooking it to a certain temper wh- whatever it is but i think that like so you're saying you've never had a rocky no, mountain lobster roll no i haven't i don't know <laughs> i don't even know for the listeners yeah, yeah. that does not exist but i think <laughs> the theme in both my story and your story is that like, it wasn't so much the ingredient as it was, how it was prepared. It was something that like, neither of us would have ever thought to do probably ever. I think that that's like a great point. Sushi, mm-hmm. for example, is everywhere now, right?
0: You're going out, you know, there's 20 people. You go to this birthday yeah, party, yeah, yeah. you're like, we're going for sushi. But even in the early two thousands, it was still like this weird thing that we didn't really do in the United States was eat raw fish. And I think that there's other iterations on that, like all around protein. You get a steak, you know, it has to be cooked to a certain temp. You know, the USDA comes in, they smash your window and say, hey, the steak is 125, you can't eat this. Or even like raw chicken. There's other cultures
1: that eat raw chicken.
0: But we can't do it here in
1: the States. No, I also want to say to everyone who's mad at us right now for saying that in early two thousands no one ate raw fish and you're just like fuming, wanting to tell us that you were eating raw fish in the two thousands. These are the hot takes that we're gonna just extrapolate to the rest of the country from our own experience. So just get ready. This is Sam and Connor's world, and you're just living in it. You might have thought you've been, you were you've been raw invited fish in, in. Early 2000s, You might disagree. No. no, we're just laying it down right now. I know we both like to try lots of crazy stuff, especially when traveling. Have you ever had something you've tried that's been out of the box for you and you're just so stoked on trying it? And while you're eating it, you're like, I don't know if this is it. This might've been a bad choice, but you won't let you won't let anyone know. (laughs) You're just like, no, this was the right choice. (laughs) And then afterwards you're like, yeah, I shouldn't have got that. That was brutal.
0: One of the things for me, and this is something I've shared with you before, but one of the things that I will not ever eat again is definitely when I was in Spain and we went to this, uh, little restaurant in Madrid. It was where Mm -hmm. Ernest Hemingway used to hang out, sort of a tourist trap, but not really a tourist trap. So we sit down and I see all of the people around us who looked like they're locals, everybody's speaking Spanish and, uh, everybody's getting these like clay dishes I see them firing these things out, like everywhere you look the equivalent of where you're going to like a cheesesteak spot you know and nobody's ordering a hamburger even if they have a hamburger on the menu everybody's getting a cheesesteak it was kind of like that where i see this one thing and that's usually a signifier to me like hey this place they do one thing really yeah, well totally. because everybody's getting it so i need to get it too and we're so we sit down and table right next to me Um, they delivered one of these clay pots and it was sort of closest table to us. So I hadn't really saw what it was and it looks like kind of the stew, but I sit down and I'm sniffing. I'm like, what is that smell? Is somebody just ripping at this table next to me? And whatever time passes. I asked the waitress and Hey, what is this dish that everybody's eating? And she's like, Oh, that's, that's gaios. That's what we specialize in here. So without hesitation, order that. They put it down right next to me and I smell that same smell real barnyardy, which is a phrase that I had never heard my dad say until now at this point in my life, but which describes it Mm. perfectly. Like it smelled kind of like manure. And I found out that what this dish was, it was basically the stewed sort of bottom of the (sighs) sheep's intestine, like inches before the poop comes out and they stew it for a long time. They add all these spices, but it still can't take away that barnyardy smell. I ate it every bite grimacing until I just couldn't anymore because I had to try it. But I will say that that was one of the things is just like too gnarly for me to eat again. Not that organ meat can't be delicious when
1: it's prepared right, but this was just one thing Oof. that was like, I do yeah, not see that's the appeal. rough. I do remember you mentioning that. Oh, barnyardy, yeah, I don't think I've heard anything described as that.
0: Yeah, that is just like so visceral to me. And growing up, I had eaten my fair share of organ meats. One of the things on the flip side of that, that I grew up absolutely loving, come from a family of like Polish butchers and sausage makers was this stuff called pudding that my brothers and I had no idea what it was. All we knew is that Graham would come in. She would fire up a fresh uh, batch of buns. She makes these buns that are <laughs> incredible. They're just like little pillows of joy. So buttery on top. So breakfast, when she would come, she would bring this stuff pudding. And it kind of looks like ground beef in the pan. It's, and it's spiced with a variety uh-huh. of things that you might find in a traditional breakfast sausage. What I found out when I was in high school that this stuff that my brothers and I would literally fight over like the last spoonful of to put it on one of these fresh buns that my grandma would whip up. Um, we found out that it was actually just organ meat, the head and then some other things stewed down and made into this ground beef like substance. It's amazing. I still love it. Would eat it all the time. It's something that my dad, he'll prepare when he butchers a pig. Uh, but
1: is absolutely incredible. It's once you've learned to love something that you don't know what's in it and you find out later you're just like well it doesn't change the fact that it's still really good i felt the same way about my grandmother's gravy for thanksgiving and she would use all the organ meat from the turkey and i had no idea for so long and then afterwards i was like well it's still the best gravy i've ever had shows you for life like oh this stuff can be good it's not gross it hasn't been gross the whole time it's always been good so one thing I want
0: to ask that can be such a hot button topic for people is like, what is oh, your all time favorite food? This. Like if you could only eat hate this one machine, thing the rest of your life, what I is it? I fucking hate it. I know you hate oh, this question. Like, I'm, I'm, I am ready like, to just like make you dish, mad.
1: Like a cuisine, like what one single food. You got to pick like, so one, one dish. single food What's Your all time favorite that you could eat every oh, day fuck, the rest that's really of your hard. life. I guess I'll try to just narrow it down for myself. I will say that oysters have probably been my top favorite food to get whenever they're available for a long time. And I could eat oysters for the rest of my life and be fine with it. I'll, I'll never get sick of them. Love about oysters is it always like feels like a treat, right?
0: Uh, and maybe it's because we both live in a landlocked state now. What do you what's yours
1: though? You fucking would have an answer. Really. I'll tell this you, and is this is bullshit. actually something you influenced me on. <laughs> Maybe oh, you so don't even realize that you were the one saying. who
0: influenced me on oh, this. God but God. you were not gonna throw your mic out the window and just quit right now. Oh well, pizza man. Yeah, pizza yeah, is okay. an well,
1: all-time this perfect stemmed from food. A, a similar question framed in a different way. I thought we were just going with like favorite dish of all time, just like no matter like you could have it, I guess you did say you can have the rest of your life every day. The pizza answer for me is framed. If you could only have one thing for the rest of your life, I think pizza is it. Pizza is, I mean, pizza to me is
0: like a perfect food because, and I think like what the thing, the logic of like what I think perfect foods are is like, even when it's bad,
1: Is it still pretty good? Yeah. Where like oysters, if they are bad, they are not still pretty good. That's probably the one food that I like most likely have had at every hour of the day at one point in my life.
0: Oh yeah. I mean one of my best pizza tests is how good is it the next day if it's been sitting out on the counter all night? And the best slice of pizza will still taste great if it sat out on the counter all night in the box. For breakfast but i i love pizza just because it's like there's so many different styles of preparation using relatively like the same ingredients right there's the dough there's the cheese there's the sauce and there's a million of iterations in between there. One of my favorite slices I've had recently was right here in Denver. This place, Redeemer Pizza, they make a sourdough pizza. Man, it is so good. That little bit of like acidity that comes with the Have sourdough you watched the, is um, like, poof.
1: The entire Making Perfect Bon Appetit Pizza series. That one, I, I, I'd go back and watch that. They do a lot of really cool ingredients and mortadella. On the pizza was one of their ingredients.
0: Oh, I, ha- I haven't watched every episode, but yeah, I, did I think you watch should go back, especially just going on the pizza to the and sauce speak and dough
1: fan. episodes. They go to uh, Scar's Pizza to ask him about their sauce, I want to say. I don't think it was their dough. Really good uh, deep dive because they're really simple elements of the pizza that are just so important. Each little thing they, they tweaked or changed, and I'm pretty sure they delved into sourdough. I don't know what they ultimately chose but yeah it was just a really cool look at those key elements of a pizza and what makes the perfect pizza bone appetit
0: original crew for those making perfect series yeah
1: that whole that whole crew is kind of delving off into their own stuff it's really cool to see them all coming out of the cookbooks and different shows now a lot of them have just been
0: killing it one of the things that i did see recently which actually made me laugh i wanted to talk with you about it before so like david chang love david chang's food Love his restaurants, um, think he's like an incredible host, just an incredible person. One thing that I don't like that he's done recently is like this home cooking series where it's like literally just slapping things together and throwing them in the microwave. And nothing against that. Like, this is also (laughs) coming from a person who ate a hot dog for breakfast. Throwing some shade for having done that. But it's like, are you to put that out in the world? So Priya from Bon Appetit is working with him and worked with him on a new cookbook. And I was watching the intro video the advertisement for the cookbook they put together about the at home series. And one of her lines, which I was just dying at laughter of was, it's very seldom that a co-producer of a cookbook yeah, hardly I did see likes that. That's anything really that the funny. person who is cooking That's is awesome. making. Cause some of the stuff that he throws together, I'm like, I'm like, ah, man, I I understand like you got a family, you're trying to cook Well, dude, I actually
1: feel the opposite. Does everything have to go in the microwave? Um, One of the issues I have is cooking casually for myself throughout the week to sustain myself, honestly. Like I can't go out every night and like go to the grocery store and buy ingredients to make this unreal meal, which is what I'd like to do as a hobby, obviously. But coming up with simple pantry list and types of meals I find difficult at times and I'll get stuck in ruts of doing the same stuff all over again. But what Dave Chang's doing, it's like, it's not pretentious at all. It like does serve a huge use as far as just like actually cooking at home with what you have and fast and ready and like serving the purpose of just feeding yourself and your family and your friends or whatever it is. And coming from a person that cooks professionally at such a high level, I think it's pretty cool to see And honestly, like not all food is going to be that good. Like, I love all food, but like it can't be good all the time.
0: I guess that's one way to look at it. Kind of what I was thinking, I guess my big like point of contention there was just about the overuse of the microwave because I lived like at our last house. We didn't have a microwave for two years, so we never used a microwave Um, and we're still you know, okay. There's a lot of things you can do, like on the stove. There's a lot of things you can do with the oven that are quick and easy. One of my go to maintenance meals is just like throw some chicken tendies in the oven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whole Foods has these great air chilled chicken tendies. Get some of those, fire up the bag of Caesar salad. Yeah. There's like pre made kits. Yeah, I mean, I, Boom, I like that. you got that. yourself a meal I, right there.
1: I like the microwave. I stand the microwave. I think that. Part of the reason why I support it so much is that my roommate hates the microwave to a point. He he would fit he would fit um, very well into this conversation. He would add a very strong opinion to this. He just hates them. He thinks they're just terrible. He uses the oven and the stovetop for everything. Um, so I've kind of flipped the other way of like I love the microwave. It's way better for the environment. It takes way less energy to heat up your food. Like, I do not need to, like, shout out to Brandon Wardell reheating leftover pasta in the fucking oven. That's ridiculous. Like, just microwave all the way. I don't have any issue with the microwave. It is a pretty funny tool to use and just, like, literally cooking a dinner, though. Not even, like, a reheating thing. Just, like, yeah, we're cooking. We're putting it in the microwave. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Um funny story about my roommate who hates the microwave he's working in a mine like so a he's pickaxe like, he oversees all the operations for the pickaxes <laughs> but it's a, it's a huge operational mine he dresses like a minion he, he yeah he does air quality <laughs> so he's like checking so he's, for black i lung. Guess he oversees a bunch of shit i guess i shouldn't try to explain his job i don't know what he does but he continually has been forgetting his lunch he's been telling me he makes lunch the night before preps it up has it in the fridge wakes up super early completely forgets it and like where we like he used to work not a problem just go get lunch whatever but he's in a fucking mine now and the only thing they have is a hot pocket vending machine and a microwave so he has to he has to go stare the devil in the eyes every day to heat his food up he just hates it hell so. maybe i'm rejecting
0: my hatred of the microwave just because of overuse uh, this summer
1: in between moving back into the place <laughs> and then now I lived in this studio. They had like a kitchenette type thing and it was honestly felt like I was in the galley of a boat, but the burners weren't very good. They didn't work. Like one of them didn't work at all. The other one was just like it was just a process to make anything. So I started I started getting those Marie Callender pot pies and like just microwaveable dinners and oh god. Dark times.
0: So, can I ask you a question? Um, Did the galley kitchen (laughs) happen to have a porthole?
1: No, it didn't. Funny enough, actually not related, (laughs) but the microwave was so old that the glass plate didn't rotate. It had a metal fan-looking thing on the top, and that rotated. And I was like, what is this fan in there? I don't know enough about that. So, so it's convection. Yes or no, but it spawned because the plate didn't spin so it was just like rotating however the fuck a microwave works instead of the plate rotating to heat it all up evenly the fan on the top spun around that's very old school but no there's just no rearranging port hole. those water molecules do you, have, do you have a follow-up question for the porthole sam portland
0: maine there is a phenomenal bar there called the porthole that our our dear friend connor here shout out went hole, to not one not two but three times during the course of a week shout out porthole and shout out the, uh, cover band that played the song. <laughs> it was American bands, uh, twice, no was less than six times band to play the, the, the first night we were twice. there
1: and it wasn't even like an encore thing. It wasn't even like, we're all like American band, one more. There were like 10 more songs to go on their set. They're like, we're going to do it again. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. <sighs> oh this place this place rules it just
0: to paint the picture it's like so this is old port portland Maine and this place is like right down on sort of like the main drag where you would go if you're visiting Portland Maine total tourist trap but like sometimes I love those places like the characters you can see at something that is just like so catered towards tourists and people coming in from out of town. And they're just like packed. Yeah, it was really cool. I think people. the setting was like just my favorite such part a fun environment um, and chaos. I think
1: you just, like you just said, it's in the old port of Portland and, uh, all of those restaurants just kind of on those jetties, like those ports and, uh, just having the water right there and having like fishing boats come in and out, taxi boats come in and out, ferries and stuff. It's so cool. Um, another shout out to flatbread pizza in the same, same area, a few jetties down, First of all they have unreal pizza and they use really like really awesome ingredients but the, the flatbreads in Portland has like a to go window that sits right outside on the deck of one of those jetties and you don't even have to go in the restaurant you can just order drinks and food right there just sit at a table right outside and just watch the the ferries coming in and out and it's it's awesome so just like a rad place to have restaurants Woof. Oh, did you go? Dude, we had that pizza we on bread's? the boat. Yeah, we did. That was one huh. of the places we got pizza from. Wow. I almost don't believe you. You should ask your mom.
0: For anybody curious about this story, recently got married. Connor was the best man at the wedding, but we went out on a sailboat. Uh, for the rehearsal dinner and we got a bunch of wow. pizza and a bunch that of oysters <laughs> So to really bring it full circle. We got both that, of our did you, favorite did foods. Did you know that was gonna happen? on a On a sailboat. That's, yeah. That
1: was yeah. Look at yeah, that connection right there
0: pizza. So Connor, I have a very pressing question for you Another thing that's gonna make you really mad and I'm always excited when I can get under your skin
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: large slivers or small chunks What is the best way to cut onions for ceviche?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, this is an age old question. There's a lot of history behind this question. Should we run it back from the beginning? Let's run it all the way back. Okay, yeah, so origin story for this debate. Sam and I went to Mexico City two years ago with a bunch of friends. Sam's now wife, my brother, my cousin Mike, Shout out, Cousin Mike. Yeah, Cousin Mike, shout out. Miss you. A few of Sam's brothers. Shout out to uh, Cooking with E. We're going to have him on eventually for some hot takes. We went to Mexico City for about two weeks. Had an unreal time. And it was one of those trips that was everyone there was on board with what we were doing. And what we were doing was just wanting to experience Mexico City through eating, essentially. That was the only thing on the docket other than getting a tattoo and going to the museum. Everything else was food. And this is a big reason too, like why,
0: you know, just in general, without getting too philosophical and in our feelings is why, you know, I kind of love traveling with you because everything does evolve around food. But then all of these little side quests kind of develop because we're doing that. Oh, yeah, 100%. And you go to neighborhoods, you learn new things. You're doing all this crazy shit just because you're looking for one dish or you're trying to cook something crazy so and that's something that i think that we really like to do too is like when we're traveling it's like great one of these nights is going to be a full-blown cooking night yeah and we're going to go
1: all out for me it kind of slows down the trip a little bit right eating like sitting down to eat or cooking that's just all you're doing for the foreseeable future like a lot of the times when traveling you can be you can get caught up in an itinerary of activities and traveling or you know, catching connections and buses or whatever, but just eating and cooking, it just slows it all down. Those are always my favorite moments. Looking back at the end of the day about the stuff that we did over food with friends, like that's why that trip was so good. Everyone was on that same page of just experiencing it all through taste and through the culture. So yeah, so we went to a ton of awesome spots in Mexico City. Some of them more than once which was awesome um i mean the chicken shack is like a total different story in and of itself but the one restaurant that we knew we wanted to go to was la condesa no not la condesa that's where we stayed that's the neighborhood breath that's the neighborhood what was the name of the restaurant contramar 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 a pretty right.
0: classic mexico city institution i think at this point mm-hmm
1: but absolutely
0: lived up to the height
1: yeah it was like unbelievable and it was one of the last days we were there too mm-hmm. it was also we could only get a reservation for what like 12 30 like middle of the day it was even earlier that i think it was like an 11 o'clock
0: lunch reservation which is absolutely chaotic yeah time to be eating seafood but
1: i think fits uh our mentality very well yeah any time of the day doesn't matter but yeah that was kind of wild because We like woke up. I think we had a pretty big night the night before and we woke up. We're like, wow, we have to like go to this amazing restaurant right now. Like get your shit together. So we had one night where we cooked and we went out to the market. We had no idea of what we wanted to make. We just wanted to go to an awesome market and look at all the produce and the proteins and just figure out what we were going to make that night. And we also segmented this really, you know, like a really funny way
0: where we both became like the group leaders i was looking for the cheeses i was looking for the tortillas and i was looking for a lot of our vegetables Mm -hmm. you had your own mission that was all protein you were looking for fish i was on my little cheese mission you know hunting down and uh (laughs) i stopped i think at three different bug places because at, for whatever reason, this market, they had a lot of different bugs and I hadn't tried any yet in Mexico, but every place it was so crazy. So you'd go to the stand that was like serving up these bugs and they deep fry them and do some different things with them. Actually pretty good. They kind of just taste like a nut or I something, I had any of those. but every place would, would give you a shot of like Mezcal with the bugs oh, that's awesome as like a sampler. So I was getting constantly pulled aside because I think one person saw that I was like kind of interested in trying these bugs, and another vendor would pull me aside. Hey, try my bugs instead. Everybody's giving me these shots of Mezcal. Meanwhile, Connor over here yeah, I didn't, I actually is didn't out know that. searching
1: for food. I didn't know that. Oh really? I, I had a much different experience. I was like laces deep in like fish water walking around in the in the <laughs> seafood section. Uh, which was which Oh, was awesome. I fully know that because you came back with, I thought you were gonna get like a filet, like a couple of filets oh, for no, like no, fish no. tacos.
0: <laughs> you roll back with a like 30 pound snapper.
1: Yeah, that was the vibe. That was where I was at mentally at that point. I was like, we're going all in. That was a huge fish. That was awesome. And that was pretty much my contribution to that market trip it was just the, just the fish. I got that fish. I found you getting drunk in the market whatever you were doing. <laughs> and then, <laughs> We kind of just like stopped and looked at what I had, what you had, and we're like, what are we going to do? And then that's how we filled out the rest of our shopping list was like, okay, now we're going to make uh fish head tacos. We're going to make ceviche. Aaron was going to make some chorizo and queso. Chorizo tacos.
0: Is that what it was? Whew. Queso Oaxaco and chorizo yeah. in Mexico City. Both of those ingredients are like something that I never knew just how good they could be together. Yeah. Here in the States, you buy that at like whatever grocery store. It's going like, to kind of be bland. But for whatever reason, if you have those three ingredients and we got them from this market, unbelievable. Like one of the best quesadillas I've ever had.
1: Yeah, no, it was unbelievable. Honestly, like the dishes we made, like the fish head tacos, roasting the fish head, and then the ceviche, they're kind of like, they're kind of party tricks almost. Like they're like impressive to make. Anytime you use a whole fish head, people are like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. But those uh, queso Oaxaca and chorizo quesadillas were like the total sleeper and I think they were the best dish of that night. They were so good.
0: And I think that they were
1: second best
0: once I figured out that I might have been in the wrong about the Oh sandwich. yeah,
1: back to the main plot. Um, this actually makes more sense to me now knowing that sandwich, you were just literally drinking mezcal at the market. So you're already tuned out ready for an argument. But and yeah, eating and- bugs, baby. I was all fired <laughs> up. So just fired up on Anthropods and yeah. Mezcal. So we get back to the house. We have this awesome Airbnb with this like great deck overlooking the neighborhood that we were in. Uh, we start cooking and Sam and I are in there doing our thing. Love cooking together. It's so much fun. We usually vibe off each other and agree with what we're doing for the most part. I feel like whenever we have ideas, the other person's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. We got hung up on the onions hard.
0: And I think that this is partially your problem (laughs) because you made the mistake. And you know, you talked about it earlier. You're the ceviche guy, right? The ceviche was the thing that blew
1: your mind the first time.
0: You made the mistake of asking me, how should I cut it? Yeah, that was poor. Yeah, that was like.
1: I just shouldn't have asked you for your opinion.
0: I mean, the good thing is, though, that we both agree that like cutting and the way you cut vegetables is super important. One of my like biggest pet peeves is for example, like in gumbo somebody's making gumbo and there's like big old chunks of like bell pepper oh, yeah, in there that. and then you get a bite and all you can taste is bell pepper. Those peppers have an important role in gumbo, but it needs to like, in my opinion, take a back seat and kind of blend. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: And I think it also like the way you cut your ingredients in a dish, the two major impacts they have are texture and appearance. Most of the time, however way you decide to cut your ingredients, the flavor is still there. I'm sure there's a few exceptions, but the flavor is still going to be there. What impacts it most is the texture and appearance. And where I was at with the onions, the largest piece of ingredient that we had in there was the fish, the snapper. That was going to be cubed up. We also had some peppers in there, probably jalapeno, maybe some other different pe- mm-hmm. random peppers that we found. And those were going to be, really small dice or almost mince. So we had two things that were cubes, big and small. So in my mind, I'm like red onions going in there. That's gotta be like a really thinly sliced sliver. And you thought it should be what? I thought it should be tiny
0: little chunks of onion because it would sort of blend with the fish and kind of like take a yeah. back seat. Yeah,
1: so like both, I think, um, Opinion supported by something, but we couldn't agree on it at all And it was like a full stop moment of like we were literally not cooking shit until we figure this out You did fold because I was being so stubborn about it.
0: Just being like Connor you're wrong and You folded and you ended up doing the little chunks. I don't know why you did that You know, maybe I was just being so annoying that
1: (laughs) But I I will say (laughs) cutting really small chunks of onion onion is incredibly satisfying but, so anyway, I fold, take the L, very upset with myself, but it was still an amazing ceviche. Uh, we roasted the fish head, pulled all the meat off of it and made fish head tacos. I had Aaron's, a case of Oaxaca trees, a quesadillas. The next day, we were going to Contramar. So we had a big night, woke up, got to go to this fancy place, went there and Contramar is a Seafood based restaurant, most of their signature dishes is uh, seafood. They have really fresh seafood, Those a, huge menu man. Too, a huge menu, but there's a few things we wanted to get ceviche was one of them. So we got a few different types of ceviche and they came and Sam, you were like fully dialed into the restaurant. You were having the time of your life totally zoned in and they brought that ceviche and I looked, the first thing I saw were slivers of red onion. And I look over at you and you didn't even notice. And I was like, yes, Sam, how do you think the ceviche looks? It's like, oh, it's so good. Oh, it looks amazing. Everything here looks amazing. I was like, yeah, what do you think of the onions? And you just like, this look just kind of glassed over. I was dead I was like, stopped. So, so, so mad. I was like, Sam is wrong. He's always been wrong. I was right. I shouldn't have folded. If Contramar does it like this, then everyone should do it like this. And you know, I had to admit that I was wrong yeah. at that point. So you took the L the
0: night before. What won, won man, the war? You rolled over me the day after. You won <laughs> you won the
1: war, hands yeah. down. Um but yeah. Amazing ceviche everything we had there was fantastic. Yeah, that place rules man
0: Also like such a well-oiled machine too as far as service goes Absolutely incredible everything came out looking perfect. If you're ever in Mexico City, you gotta go. 100% Um, It's worth the hype. Well,
1: Sam, I think that's kind of the time we got for this episode Um, Do you got anything you want to leave it with?
0: No, that does it. Really stoked um, on this first episode and more to come Got a couple of very interesting guests lined up that we're looking forward to having on so we can, um, instead of fighting with each mm-hmm. other, fight with them. So that'll that'll be fun. Probably people who know way more about food and yeah, cooking than much we guaranteed. do. So. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Connor. Until next time, keep feasting, ladies and gentlemen.